You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Minnesota is, of course, known as the land of 10,000 lakes. For the Green Bay Packers on Sunday, it was the land of 10,000 mistakes. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I'm your host, Chris Lempesis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay's goddamn do I hate losing to those buttholes. 34-31 defeat at the hands of the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. I just... I just hate it. I hate it. I hate when the Vikings beat the Packers. It just burns my ass. Lived in Minneapolis for about five years. A lot of my friends still do live there. It's a nice city. Had a lot of great times there, but I just fucking hate the Vikings. I hate them. And I think it's, I mean, no, I know, I know every Vikings fan, every single one of them is going to be thumping their chest and crowing all week like they just won the goddamn Super Bowl. And I mean, I guess it makes sense. They've never won a Super Bowl, so they have no idea what that feels like anyways. So this is as close as they get. They're just, I just know they're going to be so nasty this whole next week, man. And even though I don't live there anymore, I just, I know, I know the shit they're going to be saying. And it's just so annoying. Even though I'm here in Milwaukee, it still is annoying to me. You know, the Bears, hey, the Bears beat Green Bay and Bears fans are just like, hey, we got you this round, Packer fan. But there's like a respect there for the rivalry we have with each other, you know? Vikings fans, it's just, it's not that at all. It's like, it's not just, you know, we got you this round, Packer fan. It's we got you this round, Packer fan. And everyone in your state is fat and stupid and you're all a bunch of drunk redneck hicks, Packer fan. Like, whatever, dude, shut up. (laughs) Up yours. Anywho, with the loss, the Packers see their overall mark to 8-3 on the season. Still, of course, good enough for first place in the NFC North. As a result of the win, god damn it, I hate saying that. Minnesota improves its record to 5-5 on the season, firmly cementing them in second place. The Chicago Bears somehow, someway... Lost to the Lamar Jacksonless Baltimore Ravens at home, at home, <laughs> at home, by a final score of sixteen to thirteen. And the Detroit Lions, oh buddy, the Detroit Lions. I really, guys, I really thought Tim Boyle was going to step in, break out the laser show, and lead the Lions to a win over Cleveland. I called it Saturday night on Twitter. I, I thought it was going to happen. Missed it by that much. Yeah, Boyle was <laughs> Boyle was terrible. And the Lions lost to the Browns 13-10. to So if you're keeping score, Detroit is now 0-9-1 on the season. 0-9-1. Before we get into the fun, and God, I hope you're having fun already, I have to do the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love or at the very least tolerate. Twitter, LempsMKE, at It's Just Chris Now. Facebook, Old Bag of Donuts, OL Bag of Donuts. The email, Old Bag of Donuts, OL Bag of Donuts at gmail.com. For anyone listening on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating, five stars, me like you those the most. 
Four stars are good too. Anything else, forget it. <laughs> and leave a comment if it's positive. And even if it's, even if it's negative, leave that shit too. But I mean, we're approaching the holidays. Do you really want to leave a negative comment? I say no. Uh, we're on Spotify. You can find us by searching for Packers Talk. Look for our logo, which is the head of the Vince Lombardi statue, which sits outside Lambeau Field. We're also on iHeartRadio, so you can find us on that app as well. Did I just say also as well? I may have Department of Redundancy Department. And again, I'm just going to keep saying it. Subscribe. Just hit that subscribe button, baby. Boom, right there. Me, Lemp's Talking Pack, all the other wonderful Packers talk shows. Boom, we're all on your phone. You don't have to search for us. We're right there. And again, we won't tell anybody what you've got on your phone. Don't worry. That's that's just between us. We won't say anything. We'll keep our mouth shut. And uh, again, if you're listening on a platform other than that, let me know. Um, I know some people are listening on Overcast. Got some nice feedback about that. If you're listening there or somewhere else, let me know. I would love to hear it. That would be good. Okay. Now that we done got that out the way, let's go. Let's dive right in because I'm contractually obligated. Not really, but you know. Let's talk about this Packers. L. This bitter tasting sour ass L. A putting the L in skull L, which frankly, those losses are just fucking gross. Gross. Ugh, bitter beer face. The first place I have to start here, I mean it's obvious, is just by talking about how sloppy the Packers were overall. So, so sloppy. Missed opportunities. Just a mountain of missed opportunities for Green Bay. Dropped interceptions. Multiple dropped interceptions. Missed chip shot field goals. Missed tackles that could have gotten them off the field. Penalties. Oh my God, so many penalties. And when you toss in yet another odd first half offensive game plan for Matt LaFleur and a subpar Aaron Rodgers start to the game, you get this result. This turd in the punch bowl. It's funny, you know, if you hadn't seen the game and you didn't know the score and you only heard me say the last few sentences or so, you'd think Green Bay was blown out. And really, with all the mistakes they made, I mean, I wouldn't fault you if that's what you thought. But despite all those issues and Green Bay being so shorthanded due to injury, and oh, of course I'll be getting to that because, yeah, there were more injuries Sunday. Woohoo. The Packers only lost by three, which... For me, actually makes this even more frustrating because even if they'd been a little cleaner, just a little tiny bit cleaner, they win this game. To me, the biggest culprit in this one was the defense. After playing at a championship level as of late, particularly the last few weeks, Joe Barry's unit came crashing down to earth in this one. Woo! What a stinker on that side of the ball. An absolute stinker. Very surprising. I mean, really almost shocking to see, you know? Just shocking to see them turn in that that type of performance. I mean, they allow Cousins to throw for 341 yards and three scores. Jefferson, eight catches for 169 yards and two scores. Boy, how good does he look, huh? He looks like he's going to end up being the best receiver in football pretty soon. Probably within the next, I'd say, couple years. I feel like that's going to happen if Hell stays on his side, which that's fucking great. I love that. That's awesome. Awesome sauce. Um... You know, did well, I thought, containing Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen in that first half. But really, they struggled to stop them in any way, shape, or form in the second half. I mean, Cook finishes with 86 yards rushing, 29 yards receiving, so it's at 100, 115 yards and a touchdown on 25 attempts. 
Again, most of that came in the second half. He was really, really good in the second half. Thielen finishes with eight catches for 82 yards and a score. Just, yeah, just struggled, you know. Minnesota, 9 of 13 on third down. Oh, my God, 9 of 13 on third down. I mean, if you're operating at about 40% on third down conversions, you're having a great day. 9 of 13, just unbelievable. Just I didn't see any of that coming, you know. Even though, yeah, I know Minnesota has a rather good offense. You know, and the Packers were without their top pass rusher this season, Rashawn Gary. He was out with the elbow injury he suffered last week. Just quick, I think that was a smart call not playing him. I know a lot of people were bummed, but the idea as the week went on, all this talk about him wearing a brace, and I just thought that seemed stupid, you know? It seems stupid. Like, I know it's the Vikings and you want to win. It's a divisional game, but they've got bigger goals in mind here. It's like, it was the smart call to rest him, for sure. That just seemed like a dumb idea playing in a brace, you know? That's just me. But yeah, even with all that, you know, facing a good offense on the road, even more shorthanded, it's not like the Packers didn't have chances to make big plays. They did. They just completely failed at making them. So many missed interceptions. Oh, this is the part where I talk about the missed interception. Missed interceptions. Probably the thing that, that has me the most upset about this one. Darnell Savage dropped at least two picks, including one on Minnesota's game-winning drive at the end. So that pick, let's get into that. Looked like he had it. Everybody's celebrating. I made the joke on Twitter. Look at Kirk Cousins thinking he can go deep ball, deep ball for deep ball with one of the greatest ever play. What an idiot. Ended up having to delete that tweet because they reviewed it. Said he didn't complete the catch. Now, did he? Okay, by the rule of... the By, by the letter of the law, I guess you'd say, um, he didn't. He didn't complete it. The ball moved at the end. Not a catch. In my opinion, in my view of what football should be, that was an interception. Yes. Like, I know the rule now, what is like Savage has to catch the ball, run home, bake a cake, watch the Snyder cut of Justice League, still be hanging on to the ball for it to count as an interception. I think that's the rule. Whatever it is. But I... I in my view of what football should be in a perfect world, that's an interception. Yes. Easily, it's an interception. He had the ball in his possession when his knee was down. What more do you need? There's photographic evidence of it. So I thought that was a pick. But by the rule, it wasn't. So it is what it is, you know? And then he cleanly caught one. That got wiped out by Kingsley Kiki's helmet-to-helmet hit on Kirk Cousins earlier in the game. Look, you can't do it. I know people were mad about that, but you can't do it. They're looking for that. You can't you can't go helmet to helmet. You can't come in high like that. Kiki has to know that. That was stupid. He has to know. Get your head down. You can't come in high like that on a quarterback. They're going to call that every time. You know, unless it's Aaron Rodgers, in which case they seem to miss that a lot. But that, but I digress. You can't do it, you know? And so that wiped out a pick that Savage, of course, cleanly caught. That was a big play earlier in the game. So the thing with Savage, now I've said on the show the last few weeks, I know last week in particular, I was talking about how he's really been playing his best ball as a pro lately. And I stand by that. That is true. Here's the thing. There's another level that he can get to. And not just get to, he can easily get to that level. That level being the truly, truly elite safeties in the game. He can get there. He's got all the ability, the smarts, the physical skills. He's got it all. Except... He's not closing these plays out. 
He has to start coming down with these picks. You know? Maybe not all of them, but some of them. He's not coming down with really any of them. He had that stretch last year where he was picking off everything. He needs to get back to that. Because now, I think his game has taken a step up this year, this particularly this last stretch from where he was last year when he was playing well. He's, you know, he's right there. But he's got to start coming down with some of these interceptions. There's just, there's just no two ways about it. It's just that's, he has to. That's pretty much the only thing that's standing in his way at this point. You know, he could have really taken a big step today. Didn't happen. That's frustrating. Uh, Rezul Douglas could have, probably should have had a pick. Damn near ran Adam Thielen's route for him. Just didn't pick it off. Stokes maybe could have had one too. I think he probably should have had one. God, am I, am I forgetting some others? I probably am. But those are the ones that stand out. Those, you know, those three to four plays. But it's not just interceptions, you know. There were fumbles they could have come up with and didn't. Third quarter, third and ten at the Green Bay 40. Big play. Cousins sacked by Preston Smith. Boy, how good was Preston today, huh? Two sacks. Boy, he woke up. Talk about waking up with your piss hot. His piss was scalding hot. Cousins is sacked by Preston. Fumbles. But Minnesota recovers. So yeah, it forced a punt. But that could have been an even bigger play for the Packers. An even bigger momentum shifter. You got to come up with those, you know? Didn't happen. I uh, didn't think the tackling was as crisp as it's been multiple times on those third down conversions. Again, 9 of 13, which I have to keep saying because I can't even believe it. It was like we were watching an entirely different defense. This was like tail end Dom Capers defense. Multiple times on those third down conversions. You know, Green Bay had guys in position to make the play, get the defense off the field. Just couldn't make the tackle. Just couldn't do it. You know, they allowed decent gains to rupture into big ones. That was really disappointing. And the coverage on the back end was pretty terrible overall, too, you know. And the pass rush. Now, yes, they pressured Cousins 40.5% of the time, according to Next Gen Stats. That's from a tweet from the Athletics' Matt Schneidman. Schneidman? Schneidman? Whatever, he's not listening. That's good. That 40% of the time, that's good. Here's the problem. Man alive on all the other dropbacks where he wasn't pressured. He wasn't pressured at all. He could have, as my father used to say, eaten a sandwich and drank a goddamn cup of coffee back there. Mountains of time. That was a problem. That was a problem today, you know? And that's even with, you know, Kenny Clark turning in a monster performance. That Kenny Clark was really good. That title of Lancaster was really strong. That the line overall, Lowry was noticeable. Thought it was pretty good, you know? Talked about Preston Smith. Uh, Tipagalea, I thought, was, was good in his first extended action. You know, there were guys that turned in good performances, but overall the front seven and the, and the pass rush just wasn't consistent enough. You know what I mean? And no, of course, it wasn't entirely on the defense. The offense, okay, so look, people are going to look at the gaudy stats. Rodgers, right, throws for, what was it? 385 yards, four touchdowns. MBS, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, MVS, as we call him here in the show. Four catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown. Of course, that touchdown coming on the 75-yarder, Green Bay's last scoring play of the day. Devontae Adams, seven catches for 115 yards, two scores. People are going to look at those numbers and the 31 points scored overall and maybe trick themselves into thinking it was a better offensive performance than it was. Here's what I mean by that. Yes, the offense got going late in the first half and never really slowed down after that. That's good. That's a positive sign going forward. That's probably the biggest positive to take away from this game, actually. But man, oh man, they mostly stunk on ice in that first half. Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur. Matt, Matt, Matt LaFleur. Another 
pass-heavy game plan to start the game? Another pass-heavy game plan? Really? Another one? Another one. How heavy, you ask? Glad you asked. In the first half, Rodgers attempted 22 passes, compared to only 9 carries for A.J. Dillon and Patrick Taylor, subbing in for an injured Aaron Jones. So, if you're keeping score, just about 71% to 29% pass run in that first half. And there's that ratio again. Talked about this last week. I think I talked about it after the KC game, too. I know I talked about this after last week. The Kansas City game as a whole. The first half last week against Seattle. The first half here against Minnesota. All hovered in about that 66% to 34% pass run range. Right? Yeah, 66-34 pass run range. Give or take a few percentage points, of course. And hey, guess what? Only 10 points for the Packers in the first half. Surprise, it happened again. Right? Low offensive output against Kansas City. Three for the whole game. Three points in the first half against Seattle last week. Ten in the first half this week. This is what happens when you don't make an effort to run the ball. It's just it's going to keep happening. Because guess what? In the second half... You know what happened? Well, 11 pass attempts for Rodgers and seven runs for Dylan Taylor and Equinemia St. Brown, ESB as we call him here on the show. Why not? Let's include him in there too with his one carry. He had a good day. He had a decent day overall, ESB. That was that was a positive too. And wouldn't you know it, the Packers scored 21 points in the second half. Yes, a lot of that damage was done by Rodgers in the air, of course. But I really believe the offensive effort was aided by Green Bay showing more balance overall. 22 to 9, 10 points. 11 to 7, 21 points. Look at that. That matters. Being balanced matters. I don't know how long it's going to take LaFleur to figure this out, but it matters, you know? And it was nice to see Rodgers settle down from the latter part of the second quarter on, looking as good as he has in weeks. But, you know. This is the negative now. His slow start really hurt things overall. He was jumpy. He was frantic in the pocket. He was chasing the deep ball, playing hero ball. You know, all the worst parts of his game and all the things he no longer needs to do in this offense. This isn't tail end McCarthy. You know, this is the Matt LaFleur offense. Come on, man. If he'd come out a little better, a little calmer, a little smarter, the Packers probably win. Not sure why he struggled so bad to start the game. I don't know if it was him trying to figure out how to play through the toe injury that he seems to have suffered while he was out with COVID. I don't know. He's being very evasive on this. He was very evasive afterwards to the media about the injury. No idea. We don't really know how he suffered because he won't say. But that seems to be the prevalent theory is that's when he suffered it. Somehow is when he was out with COVID. There's a lot of theories on that. I'm not going to get into all those here. You probably have heard them, but just no one knows because he doesn't, he won't say anything. You know, I don't know if it's that. Is it the lack of practice time last week? Some combination of the two? No, I don't know. But he was bad to start the game, and that set Green Bay back. It did. There's just no, yeah, that's, it did. Of course, Rodgers was backed up further than he wanted to be on several occasions due to all the penalties. Oh, all the penalties committed by the Packers offensive line. Now, the team as a whole was bad in that department. Eight penalties for 92 yards overall, including. Six penalties for 77 yards in the first half. Holy shit. But I, the O-line was really bad. They were, the, they were the main offender here. You know, holding calls, false starts. You name it, they had it. And, you know, 
Those penalties, so uncharacteristic of this group, to me, really shows you how tired the Packers are overall. It's something LaFleur has talked about the last couple of weeks. The players have talked about. They're tired. Hey, shout out to the league for giving Green Bay their bye in fucking December. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for making them wait that long. Really appreciate it, you know? Because those penalties, suffer, the, the ones that the offensive line was committing, those are the kind that, to me, happen when you're tired and you're maybe a tick slow. You're dragging, you know? Y- you hold. You, you you know, a guy beats you off the line. You got to hold him to, to, you know, keep things clean. You jump early. You're tired. That's what happens. That's what I think. I mean, the Packers, you can tell they're exhausted as a team overall. But I thought the O-line penalties were really, like, the biggest, like, see, see, they are tired. To me, anyway. Speaking of bad performances, it's set Green Bay back. Hey, Mason Crosby missed another kick. How about that, huh? Uh, and it started so well, too, didn't it? Crosby drilling a 54-yarder on Green Bay's first drive of the game. First drive for either team. But then, but then, early in the second quarter, Crosby in from 32, and he and he just hits the upright. Unbelievable, you know? The operation seemed fairly clean there. He just bricked it. Just bricked it. Can't do it. You know? In a game like this where you know points, you're going to... Oh, my God, my voice. Lem's talking puberty. <laughs> Take a drink of water here. In a game like this, because that, that's what happens when you yell all day, losing to the fucking Vikings, your voice blows out. Um, in a game like this, where points are going to be at such a premium, and you know it's going to be a close game. You know it. You just, you can't miss a kick like that. That's his eighth missed kick of the year. He is 15 for 23 on the season, you guys. That's just... I mean, know we all, I know we all love Crosby. I've talked about how much I love him on the show multiple times. It's not good enough. He almost cost him against Cincinnati. Really hurt them against KC, though that wasn't all his fault, but still. You know, and today it hurt. It's, I hate saying this, but I think at the end of the season, it's time. I think when the season's over, it will be time to think about the future. It's my nice way of saying it's probably time to move on from Crosby after the season. It's starting to feel like, you know, Vinatieri towards the end in Indianapolis. It's starting to get that vibe with Crosby. It's just not good, you know? I know a lot of people, I mentioned, I, you know, I said that on Twitter, and I had a lot of people saying, no, you got to get rid of him now. I, I don't know. I'm still not quite there yet. I'm close, you know? But I'm not there yet. Right now, I'm going to say at the end of the season, you make that move. But, now having said that, I'll admit he's on his at least eighth life, if not ninth life. (laughs) He's running out of lives here, you know? Because they do have J.J. Molson on the practice squad. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know anything about Molson because I don't. But they've had him on the squad all year, mostly as COVID insurance in case something happens to Crosby. But they've kept him around this long. They must like him at least a little. You know, I would not make the move yet. But again, he's he's running out of lives. If he misses another kick here next week, especially next week because they got the buy after that, I uh, if he misses a costly kick next week at home, I I might be there to where I'm saying maybe they need they need to just move on now. Because, you know, and someone asked me this on Twitter during the game. 
if it was a kick that they had to make to win like a playoff game or tie a playoff game, would you trust Crosby at this point? No, I wouldn't. No, I don't. I don't trust him at all. It's just I'm starting to see again the Vinatieri, you know, right at the end in Indianapolis stuff with Crosby. It's just I don't think you can trust him at this point. So it's but it's getting bad, you know. I mean, I'd hate to see it end that way for Crosby, but this team wants to win a Super Bowl this year, and you can't have the kicker holding you back. You just can't. You can't allow it. Again, not there yet, but I'm getting close. Okay, so I asked people to submit questions via Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. And I got a few, not as many as I usually get, although I suppose losing to the Vikings does that. People are just pissed and they just log off social media for the day. They're like, fuck this. I don't blame you. All right, so let's start with Twitter. Uh, First comment comes from Justin Cornwell, friend of the show, at Justin A. Cornwell. He writes, such a deflating ending, especially on top of all the injuries piling up. Have to hope the defense can find its form again. The bright spot was the offense in the second half looking the best it has all season. Even after Jenkins was hurt and without Jones and Lazard. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, like I said, the offense was the biggest positive to take away from this game. The way that they looked from the mid part of late second quarter on, they looked really good. Um, gotta keep it real. And you're right, Jenkins, even after Jenkins was hurt, you know, Yash came in and did the job. He was fine at left tackle. I didn't have any issues with, with Neiman. Was it Neijman? How do you say his name? Nyman? Um... I, I, never, I can never remember how to say his last name. But you know who I mean. Uh, I thought he was good. You know, I didn't notice him at all after Jenkins got hurt, so that's a positive. We saw him play well earlier in the season when he came in, when he had to come into duty, you know, when Jenkins got hurt. So, yeah, I, I thought the offense did look good, and, and you can take that going forward, and you're right. Like, Jones will come back probably right after the bye for the Bears game. Lazard, I don't know. I would think certainly after the bye he'll be back. Yeah, they're going to get some pieces back on offense. More on the injury stuff in a little bit. Uh, one more Twitter comment comes from Kevin Hankart at Hankart Jr. He writes, I'll keep it short and sweet this week, LOL. Fuck the Vikings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, always fuck the Vikings, for sure. Um, I just hate them. You know what I mean? They're like an annoying, snotty, punk little kid who's like, see, see? I matter too. And you're like, no, you don't. Then they beat you that one time. They're like, see, we beat, I do matter. And you're like, shut up. Get out of here. Like, what did you accomplish today, Minnesota? We got the 5-5. Five and five. You think you're going to win the Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins? All you did was hurt Green Bay's chances. You didn't do anything for yourselves. You're not going to do anything this year. You're not special. You're never special. Piss off. <laughs> um. All right. We've got um, a couple of emails here. First one is from Kyle Terpenning, who refuses to get Twitter. God bless you, Kyle. Packers defense shit themselves. They should be ashamed of themselves today for that piss-poor performance. I already had a very bad feeling about this game. I felt like a loss was coming, and I was right. And the injuries. For fuck's sake. (laughs) At this point, I feel like a Super Bowl is out of the question. By the time we make the playoffs, there won't be a single healthy starter left. I pray to God the Vikings miss the playoffs. We're snake-bitten against them right now, and after this loss next week, and after this loss next week is an absolute must-win. Then he writes in later, I also find it hilarious. All the Vikings fans out there thinking they are the better team. Like hell they are. Let's go to the record, shall we? Eight and three is better than five and five. Down so many starters and they were mostly healthy. If we get most of our starters back in time for the next match, then I think we will dominate them. Um. Okay, so a lot to unpack there, of course. 
Let's start with uh, talked about the defense. Yeah, that was bad. Um, I, you know what? I'm with you. I had a bad feeling coming into this one too. I don't. I didn't know. I didn't. I wouldn't say I thought they were gonna lose. But I had a bad. Fe- yeah, I just had a bad feeling. You know, Minnesota was desperate. They needed to win this game. It's a tough place to play. They were, like you said, getting healthy. Packers were dinged up, even more dinged up when we found out this Sunday morning that Gary wasn't gonna play. It felt it felt like a game they were that it was going to be tough to win, but I'm still pissed they lost because you know again they blew so many chances. Hang on to one pick or make one tackle, make one field goal. Packers probably win. You know, literally one to three plays go their way out of the mountain that they didn't make. They win this game. That's frustrating. Um. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Is next week an absolute must win? Um, you'd hate to go into the bye losing two in a row, you know? Yeah, I'd say that. I mean, I, I, I said, I just said last week to somebody, if they could just split with the Vikings and Rams, it'd be nine and three going into the bye, take it. So yeah, I'd say it's, I mean, I, and I would say, yeah, it's pretty close to a must win next week. I'd probably agree with you. Um, and the Viking thing, I mean, yeah, th- 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 that's what they do. We could be six. We could be fifteen and zero, and they could be zero and fifteen. And if they beat us, they'd walk around and act like they're the better team. That's what Vikings fans do. Um, because you're right. I mean, if if the Packers are healthy, I mean, just think of all the talent. If Jones plays, and um, Tunyon plays, and Bach plays, and Jenkins finishes the game, and Lazard plays, and Z plays, and Jaw plays, even if you give the Vikings Hunter back because he's out with a season-ending injury, even if you give them Hunter back. And line these teams up. Is there any way Green Bay doesn't win by 17 points? They win by at least 14 points, if not 17 points. They crush the Vikings. Yeah. So congratulations, Minnesota. We're happy for you. And then we have um, Kyle, who used to have Twitter. Kyle, Kyle action this week. Uh, He writes... Yeah, Kyle, who used to have Twitter, writes... Losing on the road against an underperforming divisional rival who has lost some heartbreakers isn't all that surprising. Not a greatly officiated game, but we had our chances and could have easily won by double digits, so I'm not going to get too uppity about the refs. Maybe three or four passes that should have been picked but weren't. Forgettable games from the cornerback crew. More injuries feel just awful for Jenkins, but another year where we had lots of injuries? 2010. Getting Myers, Bach, Z, Jair, Gary back towards the end of the year could be just what this team needs. I've said a few times, special teams are going to cost us some games. This one I'll put on them, even though the D really swung the other way. Every week I tell my wife there's no chance the team moves on from Crosby midseason. But with each passing week, I think it could actually happen. What do you think? Go Pack Go. Then he writes in an addendum. Mason Crosby is dead last in field goal percentage for the entire league, minimum 10 attempts, with a percentage of 65.2. Yikes. Uh, Yeah, yikes indeed. I talked about Crosby. I mean, he's, you know. It would be hard to argue he isn't the worst kicker in the NFL right now, based on his performance. Just looking at the season, yeah. One of the worst two or three. It's not great. Um, do I think that it can actually happen? Talked about that a minute ago. Um, I don't think it'll happen tomorrow or this week. But if he has another stinker here, either against the Rams, particularly against the Rams, but even, I think, in that game or two coming out of the bye, I think they may have no other choice. Because look at what they've done. You know? They got rid of the long snapper. This new guy doesn't seem that great either. But they got rid of the long snapper. Uh, they fired the special teams coach. or didn't I don't know if they fired Menenga or they just didn't bring him back. They replaced the special teams coach. 
Um, Crosby liked J.K. Scott as a punter. Now, as a holder, now J.K. Scott was a terrible punter. They had to make that move. But you know what I mean? Like, they've cleaned up. They, they t- they've tried to fix everything else. I'm not really sure how much more they can fix without just kind of zeroing in on Crosby and going, well, maybe that's the problem. Like, it just feels like that's where it's heading. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but yeah. Um, you know, you talked about the refs. Yeah, I didn't think it was a great leaf. You, you know, people were complaining about the refs. Some people, I thought, embarrassingly, to an embarrassing degree, were complaining about the refs after the game. It sounded like a bunch of fucking Vikings fans. But I wasn't mad about the calls on Green Bay for the most part. I was mad that they missed a lot on Minnesota. There was that one play, I think it was in the first half, where fucking Lancaster's, like, jersey was, like, almost pulled up over his head or, like, around his face mask. And they didn't call holding on the Vikings. I thought they got away, got away with a lot of holds. Thought Jefferson did some push-off stuff that probably could have been called. They won't call that because he's such a great player already, but definitely thought there was some push-off stuff. So I wasn't mad about the calls on Green Bay. I was just mad that they weren't that they were letting Minnesota get away. Like, if you're gonna call it tight, then call it tight both ways. I don't care. But yeah, you gotta call it both ways. I didn't feel like that happened to an appropriate degree. Um yeah, you know, you talked about the injuries. I mean, yeah, the 2010 thing definitely has been brought up a lot. Here's my only thing with the 2010 thing. Because I, under- I I agree with you. Because they're going to get some guys back. You're absolutely right about that. And those guys might help. But here's the thing. In 2010, they lost Grant in week one. They lost Burnett, I believe, in week two. Um, By my birthday, October 10th, Barnett and Finley were gone. Those were probably the four biggest losses for that team. Those losses all happened before Hollow, like well before Halloween. The Packers had time to kind of recalibrate and, and reconfigure things. This, you know, they're losing guys every week. I'm going to talk about Jenkins here in a minute, but they're losing guys every week, and it's we're at Thanksgiving, and they're still losing these guys to like. Season-ending injuries like Tunyon a couple weeks ago. And now it looks like Jenkins today. It's it's going to be hard to kind of keep, <laughs> you know what I mean? Keep rearranging things and reconfiguring things as guys keep falling, you know? And, and you're right. They are going to get those guys back. But the problem is if you keep losing guys before they get back, you know, it's like, hey, we're going to get A, B, C, D, and E back. Great. But if you lose F, G, H, I, J, K... Before those guys get back, well, what does that mean, you know? So, that's my concern. It's like, the, the injury stuff is still happening. It's not stopping. Christ, I, th- I would have thought it would have stopped by now. It's not stopping. I don't know what's, I don't know what's, I don't know, what do we do? Like, is there some kind of, like, I don't even know. So, can we hold, like, a seance or something? Like, what can we do? Something. Help me. Help us, injury gods. Go away. Uh, all right, so those are the email questions. Thanks to the Kyles. I should give you guys like a segment, the Kyles. I like that. And we, I saved the last question for my former old bag of donuts podcast co-host, Gene Bossing. Gene, you get the hammer as per usual. How many more blows can this team take? If Jenkins is as bad as feared, they've now lost pro Bowl caliber players for large portions of the season. at what I'd say are the, uh, what I'd say are three of the four most important spots in football. Cornerback, Pass rusher and tackle. With Rodgers' injury possibly limiting his practice time at the other position on that list. We saw it with Stokes and Douglas at times. 
where they're just a step late to making game-changing plays. And without Smith and Gary, the pass rush has to spend a lot of resources to generate pressure. Without getting a number of these players back, I can foresee the season ending because of some pass rush their offensive line just can't stop or a quarterback who's got too much time to pick on the corners. This isn't to say that guys like Douglas haven't played over their heads this season. They certainly have. But we all know how thin the margin is how thin the margin is in the playoffs, and this to me felt like a winnable game that slipped away on those margins. Yeah, buddy, I mean you nailed it. Like you, you fuck it, you nailed it. That's absolutely right. That last point is so true to me. This felt like like people go, oh well, you know, they'll get healthy. And it's like, yeah. But not having all those guys is the probably the biggest reason why they lost today. Like injuries are probably the single bit you're right. That's probably that's what slipped that was the margins he slipped away on, was these injuries this game slipped away on was those those injuries. And you go, well, yeah, it's but it's just one game. Right. But what if this game then factors into seeding? And now instead of getting that first round bye, which oh my god, I can already tell you this team's gonna need, even with the late bye, you know, instead of getting that week off to start the playoffs, now you're at home and you're hosting, you know, these same Vikings. Or the LA Rams or something. And now, you know what I mean? Now you have to play that extra game, that extra wear and tear. So these injuries, it's like it's just one game, but it might not just be one game. So you're totally right about that. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's just, you're right. I mean, you know, relying on guys like Douglas and Tipagalea, I mean, they it's just, it's going to be hard. It's, it's hard to live that way. I defy any team to lose as much talent as the Packers have lost and still win games. It's just hard, you know? And you're right. They're going to have to really overcompensate for things to cover other things because they're so injured in certain areas. And you're totally right about that. It does feel like that's the injuries are going to be what, you know? Yeah. So I totally agree with you, man. I think, you know, that it's... (laughs) You do start to wonder how many more shots the Packers can take on the injury front, for sure. I definitely agree with you on that, Gene. So thanks to everybody who sent in questions. It's always appreciated. You could be doing anything in the world. You took a few minutes of your time to write me something for this silly show, and I always appreciate it. Oh, you know what? Oh, oh, I have one more. Nope. No, no, no. Hold on. I have one more. Can't forget about Sean. Hold on. I got you, Sean. Sean LaFond. Sean, excuse me. Sean LaFond who messaged me on Facebook, on the Old Bag of Donuts Facebook page, which you can do, um, wrote, Conspiracy Theory Alert. Did it feel like the NFL slash refs wanted the Vikings to win that game to keep the Packers from essentially clinching the NFC North before Thanksgiving? Um, No, I, I, I do I do love a good sports conspiracy. I love that as much as the next guy. You know. The New York Knicks with the frozen envelope to get Patrick Ewing. Jordan secretly suspended for a year because of the gambling stuff, etc. I, yeah, I, I'm a big sports conspiracy guy. On this one, though, I got to say, I don't know if I see it. I think it was more just poorly officiated by Sean Hockley. I saw a funny stat. He was, the road team was 8-0 in the last eight games Sean Hockley had officiated. So I thought that was interesting. Um, no, I don't, I don't think, I know, I think you're right. If the Packers had won today, the division would would essentially be over or they could clinch it next week pretty much. But no, I don't think it was the refs of the league wanted him to win. I think it was just, you know, burp again, got to keep it real second time. Just, uh, just poorly officiated. Just didn't call it both ways. 
Which those are the things that make you want to pull your hair out. Again, like I don't, I don't give a shit if you want to call the game tight, but you gotta call it tight both ways, man. Like you know, and another thing I hate. Can I just go on a tangent quick? Savage getting called for the pass interference on a ball that was underthrown by Cousins. That just, like, it was pass interference, but that just fucking, my wife and I were talking about that during the game. That just burns our asses because we watch a lot of football, and it feels like that's happened, especially in the NFL, a lot this year. Where a quarterback just throws it up. It's a terribly thrown ball. The receiver has to come back for it, and in the effort to come back for it, he collides with the DB. Pass interference. But was it really pass? Like, why is the offense being rewarded for a terrible pass from the quarterback? That I hate that. I hate that rule. It really burns my ass. It's burned my ass for a while, and it bit the Packers today, and I hate that. Okay, so now thank you to everybody who sent anything in on any of the platforms. Always appreciate it. Okay, big picture time now. 40 minutes in. As if losing Sunday in the fashion Green Bay lost wasn't bad enough, the Packers appear, barring a miracle, to have lost offensive lineman Elton Jenkins for the season to an ACL injury. And if that is the case... It is potentially a crippling blow to the team. Jenkins is, when factoring in age, salary, versatility, and overall ability, the most valuable offensive lineman in the game. His presence has played a major part in keeping the O-line, and indeed the offense as a whole, afloat while left tackle David Bakhtiari works his way back from his ACL injury suffered last New Year's Eve. And while it appears that Bakhtiari will come back at some point this season, even if we don't know when yet, It was the potential reunion of those two on the left side of the line that had so many feeling so optimistic about what this offense could become before the playoffs start. Now, that all appears to be out the window. The Packers have suffered injury after injury this season. Some big, some little. And while reinforcements are on the way, if they keep losing players in the interim, those arrivals might not mean much. This is why you simply cannot blow the opportunities Green Bay has blown the last two Januaries, the latter of those in particular. The injury gods smiled on them tremendously the past two seasons, and there was simply no way that was going to happen a third year in a row. And as the injuries pile up, it's beginning to look more and more like this season won't see Green Bay realize its Super Bowl dreams, but rather watch as they meekly limp home. Okay, so that's all for this episode of Limps. That's about all for this episode of Limps Talking Pack. I hope you all had, well, I don't know if I'd say fun, but I hope this at least helped you feel a little better. Did for me. We look ahead now to next week. The Packers will be back in action, back at home, as they take on the Los Angeles Rams. That one is set for a 325 Lambeau time kickoff. The Rams are actually on their bye week this week. But they'd lost two in a row before that to Tennessee and San Francisco. So, hey, arrested angry team will be coming into Lambeau next week. Awesome. And, of course, we know how talented they are, how loaded. Stafford, Cup, Donald just traded for Von Miller, signed OBJ, etc., etc. So that one's going to be a battle, you know. And I'm curious to see how much the Packers have left in the tank. How much they can muster up. Hopefully they can muster up one last charge and turn in a good performance before the bye where they can finally, finally... Get some rest. We shall see. And of course, I'll be back next Sunday night to recap that one. Win, lose, or draw. It'll be Monday morning before you hear it, obviously. So keep your eyes and ears out for that. And yes, I'll keep you posted. So until next time, I am Chris Lempesis. This has been Lem's Talking Pack. Thank you so very much for listening, Packer Nation. I love you. I love you. I love you. 
please stay safe out there in this crazy ass world and remember always and forever go pack go